When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me on this week's episode, it's at Raise Metrics. It's Cole Mitchum. And Cole, opening weekend, three games, three wins, a perfect start to the season for the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, we're recording this about a couple hours after the end of game three, the sweep over the Baltimore Orioles. And first off, like, how are you feeling? Baseball's back. How have you been feeling being able to watch not only the Rays, but other teams across the league this week. Yeah, what a fantastic weekend, right? The Rays are off to a 3-0 and start, and baseball, it's back and it's roaring after a long period of time for all of us in the offseason with a bunch of uncertainty, you know, refreshing Twitter for lockout updates, all of that. I'm, I'm glad that's all behind us, and it's just baseball every single day from here on out for six months. feels so good again. This is our first Raise Your Voice, and we're going to get into this series. But we talked to as a podcast special. We talked to Ray's GM, Peter Bendix, and we talked to him about this deal. But first time for this Raise Your Voice show that we can talk about the Austin Meadows trade. So Austin Meadows sent to Detroit for Isak Paredes in a comp B draft pick, comp round B. Um, So is that one of those like late in the sandwich in between the first and second round? I believe it's sandwiched in between the second and the third. Okay. The comp, the comp A is after the first, and the comp B is after the second round. So I believe this pick falls in around the mid seventies. Um, so a little bit later, but still, it's on day one of the draft, and, and that definitely means something for the Rays. Yeah, that's you know that's a guy that might sign for like a million dollars. So if you think about right. it like that, I mean that's an investment that the a big investment that the Rays are going to make in whoever they draft. But Austin Meadows, I'm not shocked that he was traded. I am shocked by the timing of it. Um, once we got to that point in the, in, of the spring, I was thinking, okay, I think they the Rays like their roster a lot. They like the position players. Austin Meadows, as much as I've like not been the biggest fan of his in his career with the Rays, uh, still a very good hitter, right? He can smash righties. The Rays were willing to kind of take the penalty with him against lefties and throw him in even high up in the lineup just to make sure that you had that lefty in there for, for like in-game management purposes. But Austin Meadows, you know, was forced to play the outfield last year a lot more once they acquired Nelson Cruz. And then, uh, you know, this year I think was going to be pretty much like the everyday DH and maybe get some Yandy Diaz DH days against lefties. Um, but they ship him off for Isak Paredes. My initial reaction to this deal was that the return was a little light. Um, maybe I just overvalued Meadows or maybe I overestimated what other teams would value Meadows at. Because again, me personally, I don't think he's like this superstar level player. I know he's going to have the 100 RBI seasons like he did uh, last year and get close to 30 bombs and maybe even crack an all-star team. Uh, but the defense and some of the other skills, I just wasn't that big on. Cole, what, what were your thoughts on the, on the return for the Austin Meadows trade? Yeah, yeah, a couple of thoughts. I mean, I, I agree with most, most of the stuff you said there. Um, you know, first off, I think that it, that it is fair to – you know, initially like kind of have a, 
maybe a, a bummed reaction for the deal. Like, you know, dang, one of the best hitters is out of town now on the Rays. And, and the return, you know, at first glance, it's not the most exciting, um, you know, package. You know, it's not like containing big, big name prospects or, you know, splashy pieces like that. But, you know, I don't think the Rays really, the Rays don't really care about surface level, um, you know, evaluations or like name, you know, brand of prospects or players. The Rays are simply after the best talent that they can possibly get. And, you know, when they identify a guy that they really like, you know, they will, they will go to great lengths to get that guy and, you know, trading one of the best hitters on a, uh, on a world series contender, you know, pretty much qualifies for that. And in this particular trade, that guy was Isak Paredes. And, um, you know, there's a lot to like about him. Unfortunately, his, his, the start to his major league career has been a little bit underwhelming, but the race have repeatedly said, and they've repeatedly targeted guys, you know, who, who haven't had the greatest um, starts to their major league careers. But, you know, the Rays look at players on a deeper level than that. You know, they really care about performance in the minor leagues. You know, they care about projecting these guys for the future. You know, not necessarily everything that has happened in their past major league at-bats. Um, you know, you can think about a lot of the guys on the Rays roster now. Think about G-Man Choi. Think about Francisco Mejia, Yandy Diaz, Manuel Margot. All of these players struggled in the big leagues, you know, Brett before Phillips. coming over to the Rays. Yeah, Brett Phillips. You can almost say it about the whole roster. I mean, uh, <laughs> Is, is kind of what they do. And, um, you know, Isak Paredes has incredible contact skills, incredible plate discipline. Um, you know, there's some power lacking there right now. But, you know, after hearing that interview with Peter Bendix, it seems like that they think that they can possibly unlock a little bit more of that. It seems like they believe in his infield defense, too. So when you got a lot of when you got a player with that many tools, um, a lot of good things, there's a lot of good range of outcomes for a player like Isak Paredes. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the Rays did pretty well in this deal. And I think they got a guy who's going to be plugged into their everyday uh, position player mix for a lot of years to come. Yeah. That, and I think that's that last point, because right now I'm a little cons- not concerned uh, because it'll, it'll work itself out as it almost always does. But I don't see a fit for Paredes on this year's major league roster unless you had a major injury or another move, which is always a possibility with the Rays. We don't have to wait to July. They've traded guys in April, May, and June before uh, leading up to the deadline. Um, but he seems like if, if he were on this major league roster, he would play like a Yandy Diaz role. It may be less so playing at first base. He would play more at third. They just brought in Harold Ramirez, and he's going to play first and DH and maybe get some time in the outfield. I'm not really sure what the plan is. We saw him play first on opening day and then was the DH in today's lineup had three hits. Um, but what, if, if he's going to contribute this year, what role would you see him playing? That's a good question. I think that the Rays, um, you know, bringing in Paredes, first off, he's only 23 years old. He just turned 23. So, um, you know, this guy's got time on his side. You know, there's a lot of developmental time for him. And I think, you know, the preferred kind of path for him is probably to leave him down in Durham for a couple of months and just kind of let him mash and just hopefully he can tear up pitching down there. You know, maybe that's when they can start implementing some some tweaks to his swing or his approach or, you know, if they have anything in mind. Um, and and then by the time that the trade deadline comes around and we're four months into the season, you know, injuries could be piling up by that point. You know, another thing to note is that, um roster sizes are set to shrink um, a month into the season, which could lead to DFAs or trades of other players to make room, you know, things of this nature. The roster is going to look different. 
in July than it does now. So you don't, you don't really know what the situation is going to be, but I definitely think that we'll see him in the big leagues at some point this year, you know, unless there's just a perfect slate of health and, uh, and no trades, but um, you know, that's just pretty, that's crazy land. So I think yeah. we'll see him at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's off to a really good start in Durham. Um, they are playing today and it looks like, I think you mentioned he tripled already in today's game. Um, he has got through three games played and that's not including uh sunday today the day of recording he has got uh four hits including a double and then and then today he'll got a triple and he homered in in his first game with durham um so they're off to a good start um we're gonna get in minor leagues later um, but just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that trade return austin meadows seems to be off to a good start in detroit as well he tripled in their opener um, but let's dig into the baseball we had in front of us rays and Orioles this weekend at Tropicana Field. And it was a perfect three-game sweep for the home team. Rays are 3-0. and uh, And like I said, like this was like a not only the results, they were all Ws, right? But the way they played, even in those close games against Baltimore, it was like perfect baseball. The defense looked great. The pitching looked great. The decisions made by Kevin Cash all paid off. Uh, we got to see a lot of different guys in the bullpen. I think Chris Mazza was the only one not uh, to make an appearance this weekend, but with more games against Oakland and no off days, he'll pitch this week. He might, he'll probably pitch tomorrow uh, on Monday. Um, so what, what were your initial thoughts on just how the team played from Friday through Sunday? Yeah, it, it was just three, three great team wins. I mean, you, you touched on everything. Um, the defense, the the pitching, the offense, I mean, the base running, like the, there was just so much to like um, about their opening weekend. Um, I love how how Cash just really used everybody right out of the gate. Um, every single position player started at least one of the three games, I think. And I think all of them played in at least two of them, too, um, except for maybe the catchers um, or Mejia. Well, but, Mejia came yeah. off the bench in game one, started oh, game that's two. Right. And Zanino yeah, started yeah. games one and three. So, yeah. Even even Mejia, yeah. So, yeah, the point is they were just using everybody, and everyone seemed like they were contributing. Um, like you said, the entire bullpen um, was coming in, mixing and matching and getting their job done. Um, the pitching was on display, and, and the offense looks like it's it's picking up right where they left off last year. It was a great weekend. I want to talk about Josh Lowe because he was one of the few players to start all three games. It was like him and Wander and Randy – and Lau. I think those were the only other three. And those are the Rays' three best position players. I mean, those are the stars of this team. So to see Josh Lowe, who a week ago we didn't think was going to be on this roster, get starting three games and for all intents and purposes, play really good baseball. I know he went 0 for 3 today, but what I want to look for when a guy first comes up, and I know he had his debut last year at Fenway, just played one game, is how composed are they at the plate? How are they handling big league pitching? What's their, uh, you know, how aggressive are they being? Are they pushing? Uh, and we didn't see, well, on opening night, on not opening night, on Wander's debut, we didn't see that. But even we saw it with Wander Franco through those first two weeks before he started that on-base streak and made himself into a Rookie of the Year finalist. Uh, but Josh Lowe, his demeanor throughout this series, he looked really good. And he's a guy that I was not down on Josh Lowe. I just wasn't as high on him as others. And I was a little bit worried about what he would do over a full season at the big league level. And I think we're going to get that this year. I think we're going to get a full year of Josh Lowe 
And I think he's going to play 140 plus games, start 140 plus games with the Rays because they're willing to DH him. They'll throw him in the outfield. I, I imagine he'll, he'll, he'll even get innings in center field at some point this year. What did you think of Josh Lowe? Yeah, he, he looked awesome to start, to start off his season. Absolutely. And that was a good point you brought up that he, he started all three games, including a game against a lefty um, on opening day and not any ordinary lefty. Uh, John means has been a very good established starter in this league for a while now. And um, you know, he, he just really didn't look beat in many at bats at all um, this weekend. His strike zone awareness was excellent. Um, I think he only chased like two pitches outside of the zone um, or very few. Um, it's just like a lot of good boxes to check as a young player in their first series. And um, he hit that, that triple up the box on, on Saturday, just a lot of good things to, to like about him. And, and I think that you said that, you weren't exactly sure if he'd get off to a hot start. And I think that's fair because one of his big flaws as a prospect, you know, he doesn't have many, he's a very athletic, well-rounded player, but one of the bigger ones is his swing and miss. Um, there was a little bit of concern there. He did strike out a decent amount in AAA last year. So that's, that is of significant concern because of how good big league pitching is. You know, if those K's tick up much higher, it could be, um, you know, it could be something to, that, that knocks him back a little bit, but, to this point, I mean, a player with that type of strike zone awareness and the way he was just kind of smacking balls all around the field, the amount of power that he has, from what it looks like right now, uh, it seems like he's going to be able to offset that with all of his other tools. So, you know, hopefully he keeps those K's in check. And if he does, I see no reason why he can't be a very, very productive player in his first big league season. I mean, I'm looking at rookie of the year candidate already. And, you know, and, and I think we'll we'll have some maybe some overreactions uh, to opening weekend at the end of the show when we raised our voices, but uh, Josh Lowe. Yeah. I mean, he, he did strike out a lot in the minors, but he also drew his fair share of walks. And so to see that carry over. Um, and again, three games. I'm really impressed. The athleticism, him legging out that triple and, and John Ford, who uh, wrote the recap for that game on D Ray's Bay, uh, you know, comped him to BJ Upton in terms of those like long lanky strides where it looks like he's jogging, but then you look and it's in a blink of an eye. He's gone from first to third or home to third on a triple. And I'm really excited about him. And maybe I just didn't get to watch him enough, like actually put eyes on him in actual games when he was in the minors. Um, but to see him come out this weekend and, you know, hit, you know, in the middle of the lineup, right. He was hitting like fifth and sixth um, I, you know, on our opening day, Twitter spaces when uh, Darby and I were on there and I was kind of criticizing the lineup decision. I was like, I would rather have seen Taylor walls come in, start at third, push Yanni to first let Harold Ramirez DH instead he throws John or Josh Lowe in there against John means against the left-handed pitcher. And it paid off. I'll, I'll give you a question uh, a little, I'll ask you something real quick. What do you think the chances of Josh Lowe tallying more war than Austin Meadows this year is? Oh, that's a good one because I mean, I haven't looked is Meadows playing the field for Detroit or is he their DH? Uh, so thus far? I, think Let me they, look. Uh, I think maybe they've done it, uh, put him in both spots, but I do think they, they DH Cabrera still a good bit. Oh yeah. So I, got I, think DH be, Cabrera. I think yeah. they'll put him in the field more, t- more often than not. I'm mm, that's really tough. I, I might still go with Meadows. Um, I think I think I agree with that. There's just, there's just a lot of certainty with that bat. Yeah, if, I, if I'm placing a, a bet, though. if I'm placing a bet, it would be I think Meadows is the safer bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Josh Lowe would be a fun bet. And I think he could be up there, and he, I think in any other year, he'd be a favorite 
for like rookie of the year, but then you look at the rookie field that he's going to be competing against Bobby Wood Jr. Off to an incredible start. Uh, Spencer Torkelson also in Detroit. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for that. And I, I think he could be in the mix, um, but for him yeah. to win it, it's going to take an incredible season. So yeah, I think Meadows, but I think it's close. I think it's really close. I agree with you. Let's, let's break down some of the starting pitching. We saw uh, Shane McClanahan gets the opening day start. He goes four and a third innings pitched seven strikeouts, two walks, no earned runs. What, what were your thoughts on, on his opening day performance? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to come out of the gate hot here and, this might sound a little bit like an overreaction, but that maybe was the best we've ever seen Shane McClanahan. He didn't go crazy deep into the game, and that was by design. Um, none of the Rays pitchers have gone deep so far. The Rays are being extra cautious with their starters. But just from a stuff perspective, McClanahan was absolutely filthy. The movement on his fastball was about as good as he's ever had it. Um, incredible ride through the zone while keeping the same amount of run Um on, on the fastball. And it was one of his highest velocity marks of his career with it. He was up over 97 on average, um, multiple hundreds he hit. Um, and he used his curveball a ton and it, it tied, it tied up so many hitters inside the righties away to lefties. Um, I mean, we know how good his slider is. That was his bread and butter last year. But I mean, if he has feel for a nasty 92 mile hour slider and like an 83 mile hour curveball to go along with his 99, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's no limit to, to how good he can be. You know, if he's, if he stays healthy and um, is able to get through innings, like, I don't know, that was really, really impressive. And he checked every possible box you could ask for, for an opening day start. That slider to Mullins to strike him out. I want to say like his second at bat, 90 miles an hour, perfectly placed. Mullins had no chance. Having the, the curveball, which looked incredible, and the elite fastball that Shane McClanahan has, that three-pitch mix is like going to be really huge against some of these much better lineups in the AL East. You look at a lineup like Boston, he can pull that slider out against a guy like Rafael Devers. Uh, you look at you know uh, New York, a guy like Joey Gallo, right? Uh, these pitches are going to be key for him to get out of jams. Like He loaded the bases in that first inning was able to get out of it. And from the rest of the way on, he was lights out, very deserving opening day start. And I mean, I guess with Tyler Glass now here, once he's healthy, it would go back to him. But Shane McClanahan, I don't think it'll be his last opening day start in a Rays uniform. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe they signed Glass now to an eight-year extension. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that, that was impressive. Uh, the rest of the bullpen that day, you got to see JT Chagua. For two-thirds of an innings, Matt Whistler, Jeffrey Springs, Andrew Kittredge, J.P. Fireisen, and then for one batter, uh, they bring in Brooks Raley, who strikes out Cedric Mullins. Um, first off, the way that Cash managed the bullpen throughout the series, and especially true in games one and three, it was very much like no more than an inning for a lot of these guys. Whistler got an inning in a third today, Beaks threw an inning in two-thirds, but really being able to mix it. So what were your thoughts on like the Rays bullpen? Is this a better bullpen than we were expecting coming into the season or, or were you that high on them? I think that while I'm not sure that we know yet who the, you know, who the bullpen aces are going to become because right now it's kind of like Kittredge and then a bunch of really good, good pitchers. But, you know, 
The other guy kind of behind Kittredge in the pecking order was Fairbanks. And unfortunately he's due to miss the first half of the season. Um, you know, there's kind of like an opportunity here for a couple guys to really jump into a new tier for themselves. You know, you, you might be able to argue Brooks Rayleigh is already in that tier. Um, you know, given that the Rays guaranteed him two years in free agency and, and paid him as much as they did. Um, but I think that the bullpen, while we don't know exactly who the best of the best are going to be, I think it's incredibly deep. And the fact that um, two quality big league relievers in Colin Poche and Ryan Thompson couldn't even make the team with 28 man rosters really speaks to how deep of, the, of a pitching staff this is. Just the sheer quantity of above average pitchers on the on in the Rays bullpen is is something that I don't know if this organization has ever seen before. Like there's there's really few weak points um, down in that bullpen, and I and I really like the job that Cash did this weekend of of getting everybody into the games while also um, you know keeping pitch counts very low as you said, getting them favorable matchups. I mean. You know, that's that's what he does. He's he's excellent working with those guys. And um, he did it again this weekend. I think that um, one of the names that you mentioned in that group from uh, Friday's game, who I want to touch on is I really liked what I saw out of JT Chagua. And I think that before I like stake, you know, stake my claim that he is like significantly better this year. He only did throw about like seven pitches or so in that game, I think. So, but the, the pitches that he did throw, they were really impressive to me. And, and here's why. So his sinker already rates off as a very good pitch. It's in the mid nineties and it's like averaging 96, 97. I think he's even hit 99 with the Rays with that pitch before. And it has excellent arm side run, which is just like a death pitch onto the hands of right-handed hitters. And the thing that I think he has changed, but I don't want to say yet, because like I said, it's been so few pitches. I think he's changed the movement on his slider. That pitch is a lot more horizontal. Now last year he was throwing it hard, but the movement was, wasn't great. Um, and this year, it's really taking a completely other turn that his, the sinker is. So he's really getting like that split between his sinker and slider. The differentiation there is really good. He's also throwing that pitch like 88, 89 as well. And the whole mix in general, that hard sinker and the hard slider with good movement. I mean, dare I say, it reminds me a lot of Andrew Kittredge's mix and kind of the steps forward. We saw Kittredge take over the years in a race uniform. Um, I'm seeing some similarities with Chagua. So we'll have to see how he, how he pitches. Um, he was also working with a changeup a little bit in some spring games, which is another development for him. So um, I just wanted to highlight him because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stuff, stuff I like. And I think that, you know, every year we see new, new arms with the race, take steps forward in this bullpen. It wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, Chagua is that guy this year. Yeah, that, that was really promising. Those seven pitches. I'd like to see him more. Um, Jeffrey Springs, I thought, looked really good. He got three strikeouts uh, in order on opening day. He comes in to get one batter out today after Corey Kluber departs. I'm really excited to have him back because I don't think many race fans remember like how effective he was before he went down with that knee injury. Um, so to have him, to have Jalen Beeks back, and he, you know, he, I think he's going to need some more time to get back to his sharpest. He looked good in spring, and then today um, didn't get shelled or anything, just uh, – and I gave up a hit, gave up a couple of wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think having him back and once these guys get stretched out a little more uh, and you've got beaks and springs that you can rely on for, you know, two or three ups, right. You know, you can have them finish off an inning, pitch one more inning. Hey, hey maybe one more inning on top of that. Um, that's going to be really effective. 
especially like you go from, I guess we can get into game two now, Drew Rasmussen, who went four innings, gave up two earned runs, struck out three, walked one. You go from Drew Rasmussen and the other, I, well, I won't call him a reliever because Peter Bendix called him a starter. Josh Fleming goes three and a third out of the pen. He looked really good. So Drew Rasmussen, is, do you have any thoughts on him? But I, I kind of want to talk about Josh Fleming as well. Yeah, um, I liked what I saw out of Rasmussen and Fleming. Absolutely. Both pitched very well. Rasmussen, um, like some of these other pitchers with the Rays, definitely made some tweaks to his arsenal over the offseason. Um, he last year was mostly just a four seam and slider guy um, when he came over from the Brewers. And he really just kind of used both of those pitches, even when he transitioned into a starting role and was quite good at it. But um, the Rays front office never satisfied. You know, they went out and they tried to shape up his pitches to be even better than they are today. And I, I think they've done it. I mean, he has added a ton of sweep to his slider. He's also added like another slider that maybe you could call a cutter. It's like a, a 90 mile an hour, like bullet slider almost. Yeah. He was working that in, um, in addition to his kind of bigger 85 mile an hour uh, sweeping slider. Um, and he, he mixed in a couple curveballs, which we saw last year as well. So, you know, there's, there's like four pitches here, all with good movement profiles. And I think that he, he's still probably in like that experimental phase a little bit to really, you know, find what he has the best feel for, figure out how, what pitch mix he really feels comfortable with. Um, but the weapons are there. And I think that by the end of the year, this guy could be starting huge games for the race. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're showing that they trust him a lot for, for that. Um, so you had Fleming go three and a third. Corey Kluber gets the start in game three. He goes four and two thirds. He was one out away from getting those five points for my fantasy team with a win. Uh, so I don't get that. Uh, but five strikeouts, four walks, only three hits allowed, no earned runs. I thought Kluber looked okay. Uh, and I thought maybe against other lineups, he would get punished a little bit more today, but still kept him off the scoreboard, did really well uh, do, at, at that. Um, the strikeouts looked really nice. The walks, I don't know. Are you concerned at all about the four walks in the start today, or you think that's something that he'll just need more time to, to get to get going here? Yeah, I think that um I think that we may, you know, Kluber's arsenal is it's kind of dances all over the place. His curveball's got huge movement. Um, he also uses a sinker and a cutter. Both can kind of start in the zone and fall out. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever ever see like pristine walk rates from him. Um, just kind of kind of given the way he attacks hitters and the movement of his pitches. But um, yeah, I mean, the stuff, the stuff looked fine to me. I mean, it was right where it was last season uh, and, he, and he was quite good last season. A lot of people don't um, really remember that he was a very effective pitcher when he was healthy uh, with New York. And I think he just kind of picked up right where he left off. He, he gave the, he gave the Rays a, a good amount of length today. And I kind of expect that for him going forward. If we're picking a, an MVP of this opening weekend, uh, I think there are two candidates. I'd like to throw Frankie Mejia's hat in their name in the ring for that one. Um, comes off the bench in game one in a perfect situation where you really just need a ball put in play. That's not a double play. Uh, and he did that. He got the sack fly, brought him in. Zanino's obviously got the strikeout potential. Mejia, a much different hitting profile, then gets the start in game two, does really well. He goes uh, two for two for four with a home run and three runs batted in having him one, like he might be the most valuable piece that comes back in this Blake Snell trade. And I know Luis Patino, we haven't even seen him yet this season. 
very high hopes for him. But what he does to solidify this catching tandem between him and Zanino, and I don't call it like, I know Zanino is technically the starter, uh, but it's more of a tandem. And I don't really know if there's a better catching tandem in all of baseball. Because the other thing was Mejia was like, is his defense anywhere near as good as Zanino? If he can't catch, where else are you going to put him? Is he going to play third? Is he going to play first? He did play some first with the Rays last year, uh, but the key's a catcher, and he looks good back there to have him with Nino. But the other one is, is probably got to be Wander Franco, right? Yeah. How about that series from Wander? That was ridiculous. He was he was making every play hit short, diving all over the place, strong throws at first. I mean, smacking balls all around the field, just lying shots. I think that he, he set his new um, – career max ev um in the first game of the season um just already like you know maybe that's an indication that he got even stronger this offseason i mean he's so young that like we kind of forget that this guy has the potential to get so much better than like he already is at this age i mean it's absurd he you know in my mind he just really took over um you know, the Tampa Bay race this weekend, he was everything. He, he seemed to be in the middle of all of it. And, um, and was just like a perfect, uh, just a perfect piece in the, in the middle of this order. I want to talk about Baltimore for just a second, because I know the race swept them. I know today was ugly, but I think they, they look better than they did last year, at least on the pitching side. Now that lineup is pretty rough. You've got Mancini, you've got Mullins outside of that Santander, maybe, Outside of that, not a whole lot going on. But the pitchers I saw this weekend, Jorge Lopez throwing 98. Um, Felix Batista came out of the bullpen today. Tyler Wells, even though the Rays tagged him for four runs, I really like his stuff. He did well for them last year. I think this is a team that, again, not competing for anything this year, most almost certainly going to finish last in the AL East. But if you're looking for some of these other pieces, they're going to go alongside their top prospects like Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. I think we saw some of those this weekend, and I think there's a few guys on this team that could stick around as Baltimore continues this rebuild. What about you? Yeah, I can get behind that. I, I liked a lot of the stuff coming out of the bullpen for Baltimore. I mean, there's some high 90s guys, some good breaking balls. Like, um, there, There's a lot to like with, with um, at least the stuff that they've kind of gathered in their bullpen. Now, um, you know, there's still going to need some coaching and some development that needs to happen to kind of harness all of it and to really start getting results. But um, as far as like the process they've gone about and in, in gathering arms and in that uh, fashion, I, I like it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what the Rays have done in recent years, you know, find the guys with huge stuff, but have kind of struggled in other areas of the game and just really use your coaching to get the most out of them. Now that second part is pretty huge. So we'll see yeah. if that, that, that comes true for them. But um you know, I, I don't hate it. I think that, you know, especially those top prospects that you touched on, if those guys can come up and be impact guys right away, we might start hearing Baltimore's name um, in the standings a little bit sooner than we'd like as Rays fans. Oh, uh, the other pitcher I really like, CNL Perez or Perez, uh, the lefty, you know, really good stuff. I think the Rays really struggled. He had two strikeouts in his inning of work. Uh, yeah, this is a team that it's, you know, they, they won three. They've won 15 straight against them. They've completely dominated them. Uh, but I think later in the season, especially if they bring Rodriguez up and he gets a start and they bring Adley Rutschman up to throw in that lineup, these aren't going to be sweeps that we can count on. Right. And uh, the goal is, you know, and, and, and the goal is to, to get as many wins against the Orioles as you can. Right. Because it's the one thing the Rays did that no other team in the AL East did. Now they all ha- handled them pretty well, but not like the Rays. 
They didn't go right. 18 and one against them. And so in this last year where we're going to have this current schedule format, and next year they'll see each other less um, to play six series against them. You got to look for six series victories and a few of them being sweeps. So uh, it's, it's going to be, they're getting better. I don't know. I just wanted to give them yeah. some credit. Cause I, I, I liked what I saw. Yeah. Last, last thing I'll say is just poor Paul Fry. I feel bad for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he came in with a runner on and then it just didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Cause like, he's not a bad pitcher. No, it he's is not. one of those weird baseball things. He's going to come in against the Rays and the Rays are going to get hits. Doesn't matter if it's a lefty or a righty, like you had Troy and Lau getting hits off of him. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for him. But at the same time, that was really fun to watch the Rays pile on for their first, uh, you know, blowout victory of the season. You had to wait till the very end on Friday and Saturday. Uh, let's look ahead to Oakland, though. So the Rays don't have an off day. Very weird schedule to start the season. Usually you have some off days. If the regular schedule had been happening, the Rays would have had an off day on Thursday, which ended up being opening day for the league. They didn't play Thursday. They played Friday instead. Now they don't have an off day until like Thursday the 20th or something like that, the 18th. I don't know. Another week and a half. Um, But you'll get Oakland. Luis Patino taking the mound on Monday, April 11th. And Did he switch his number to number one? Oh, he did. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, he's the new number one for the race. Yeah, I, I, this is the first time seeing it on roster resource. That is a very unusual pitcher's number. You, you had Blake yeah. Snell wearing number four. Luis, I don't even know. I have to look up like how many major league pitchers have worn that number. But hey, good for him. It's it's just a number. Uh, what, four games against Oakland at the Trop Monday through Thursday. Oakland is a team that going into the season I predicted to be worse than Baltimore. You look at their roster after all the trades and they're still shopping Frankie Montas. I don't know. There's a deal. There's a chance that he gets traded like this week. What are you looking for? First off out of Luis Patino and Ryan Yarbrough in their first starts of the season. So um, on Monday, Patino is going to start. And, and earlier in the, in the podcast, you brought up a point that Chris Mazza was the only um, bullpen arm that did not pitch in the series versus Baltimore. I think that may have actually been um, on purpose because I think that the Rays may have wanted to save at least one kind of bulk pitcher to go along with Patino. Um, and that's because Patino, I don't think, was built up to nearly like 70, 80 pitches yet. He had like a delay. The other race right, exactly. Um, and I think I think in his last spring training start, he only um, he only won a few frames. Um, so I'm not expecting um, I'm not expecting a whole lot of innings from Patino. And I think that. Um, it's probably uh, logical to assume Maza will follow him um, and go a couple of innings himself. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I think Patino has great stuff, so I'm really looking forward to watching him this year. Um, like many of the other pitchers we've already discussed on this podcast, there have been um, pitch uh, shape changes to Patino. Um, and I'm, and I don't know exactly how it's all going to look, but based on kind of what I saw in spring training, it looks like the Kyle Snyder, uh, Mecca of pitching, you know, factory has, has gotten their, their feet wet with Patino as well. So I think that we may see some new, some new offerings or at least some new shapes to some of his existing offerings. Um, and yeah, and then Yarbrough, I think will be kind of that guy to, to eat a good amount of innings for the Rays and give them a, give kind of the bullpen, maybe, a um, a break if things go well, of course, but um, I think that's at least the hope that he can maybe give him like six or so innings. Um, and, and it's kind of 
nice that he pitches um, five days into this stretch, you know, because we're going to kind of rely on the bullpen hard for the first four games. And then hopefully Yarbrough is able to uh, put up a um, at least a longer outing to kind of save the arms because we're going to, you know, we still got a, a week full of games after that. So um, we're going to need the bullpen guys for those, those games as well. We're scheduled right now for Oakland, Paul Blackburn, Adam Aller, Frankie Montas, and Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin, an interesting guy, but Frankie Montas is really the only one that I'd be concerned. He's got a history of success against the Rays. His like last start before he was suspended for PEDs was like absolutely mowing down the Rays. Uh, and then the next day he gets popped, 80-game ban. Uh, but they'll get him in Wednesday's game. And then the Rays will travel, uh, and, the, and the Rays rotation will flip over as well. Uh, then they'll travel to Chicago for three games against the White Sox. They play the Cubs immediately after that. So, Cole, what would be – you've got seven games this week, four against Oakland, three against Chicago. What would be a win total you'd be uh, content with, and what's one you'd be really happy with? So I'll do it series by series, I guess. For Oakland, I think that um, I, I think that we we'd really like to see three out of the four get taken here. Um, the Oakland team is has really been decimated. Uh, if you haven't checked out their lineups in their first couple games, I encourage you to do so. Well, I guess you'll see it tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the same as it once looked, and neither is their rotation, as the guys you just rattled off kind of kind of show you there. So. I think getting three from four of them would be really nice. And then, um, and then, you know, that allows you to potentially lose the series if things don't break your way against, against Chicago, but definitely would like to see them at least get one and hopefully win that series as well. Um, that'll be kind of the first real good test for the Rays this, this season as Chicago is a definite uh, contender. So um, I will say that it'd be really nice to see them go five and two over the next seven games. Um, of course, seven and zero should be my answer <laughs> for that, but uh, I'll scale it down a bit and say five and two would be great. Uh, four and three you can live with. It looks like if the white Sox, if nothing changes with their rotation, it would be Kopech Velasquez Keuchel. Mm. Uh, oh, they've which, had some injuries, right? So yeah, that, that would be, I think favorable for the Rays. as far as the Oakland series. Yeah. I want three out of four. Uh, they'll probably lose the Thursday afternoon getaway game. I don't know. That just feels like a like a loss. Oakland, you know, jumps out to like a three nothing lead off Rasmussen uh, in the first. It, it's, it's just gonna feel like one of those weird ones. Um. So yeah, I'd be I'd be content with four, four and three. I'd be really happy if they go five and two, especially if they win that series in Chicago. I look back to last season, and like that was a series I was really pumped for when they went to Chicago to play the White Sox. It ended up being where Tyler Glass now got hurt. Uh, and it kind of put a damper on like the rest of the season, but that was the series was like, these two teams look like maybe the cream of the crop in the American league. They're going to battle it out this year. I guess, you know, still, it's still very early in the season, but you know, they're, they have an exciting lineup, a lot of exciting young players. The Rays do as well. Um, they're pitching, not, not only the rotation, but their bullpen as well. Liam Hendricks, um, Aaron bummer. I really like Kyle Crick. Uh, and then that lineup, Tim Anderson, uh, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, that's a very good team. They're the favorites in the AL Central, and there's a good chance that both teams make it to October. They'll they'll match up at some point. So uh, a series to watch, definitely more interesting than the Baltimore and Oakland series, but hey, all the wins count the same. The three wins they picked up against Baltimore count against three you pick up in September against Houston. Um, so yeah. just got to keep too, racking it's up. Like, uh, 
yeah, two good warm-up series for the big test too. So I kind of yeah. like how the schedule worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see Patino. He might go just three or four. Like it wouldn't shock me if he starts the fourth to get him that up. And then depending on the situation, they pull him for a Maza or they go to like another lefty early on. I maybe they go to Brooks Raley, who's only faced one batter this in the mm-hmm. series. Maybe they use him in the right situation uh, and then go to Maza for the length. I don't know how they're going to manage it, but They've got the pitching to do it. They didn't have to tax their bullpen too much. Everybody threw except for Maza, but nobody threw a whole bunch except for um, Josh Fleming. And I think he's going to be on more of a rotation. I think we'll see him again on Thursday after Drew Rasmussen until he either, you know, takes up somebody's spot in the rotation for injury or whatever else, or goes back down to Durham. I think they want him on that consistent every fifth or sixth day throwing. So any other thoughts on, on the Oak or the Baltimore series or the upcoming series this week? I think we uh, we hit on pretty much everything. Um, Rays look good. Hopefully they keep it rolling. That's about let's, it. Ta- let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll look around the league and also down on the farm. We'll take a look at the Rays minor leagues and how they got started this week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So minor league season underway. Uh, the rest of the minors kind of got started with the majors this weekend, but AAA, they started last Tuesday. So Durham has some uh, plenty of games under their belt. Now they played a five game series against Nashville. And this is a very talented farm system. You look at high a and Bowling green and you think that looks like a double a roster. You look in Montgomery with the biscuits. You think that looks like a triple a roster and there's plenty of major league ready talent. We talked about some of the bullpen arms in our last segment. But now that they've played, you know, a small handful of games, has anyone stood out to you on this Durham Bulls team that you think, you know, could play a, a role later on in the season for the Rays? Yeah, two guys in particular are off to really good starts that I want to talk about. Um, that would be Jonathan Aranda and Ford Proctor. And one thing that both of them have in common is that they're actually on the 40-man roster for the Rays, which is definitely significant because um, – those 40 man spots are hard to come by on a team as deep as the Rays, but the organization deemed them talented enough to make it. Um, so, you know, you love to see prospects kind of earn that right. And, you know, they've, they've done nothing but hit to start the year. Aranda in particular is a, they're, they're both left-handed hitters, but Aranda really controls the strike zone. Well, low strikeout rates, high walk rates, um, and really tapped into power. Uh, for the first time this past season. Um, and it looks like he's just picking up right where he left off. Um, he spent time at, at first, second, and third um, last year. So he's kind of a versatile infield prospect. And while I don't think defense is necessarily his strong suit, um, it is good to see that he at least has experience in a couple different spots because, you know, I may go as far as, um, as saying that he could be one of the most big league ready bats in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, if you do see an injury to somebody like a G Monchoy or, um, you know, maybe even a, a Brandon Lau, that that left-handed stick of Aranda's could could put him on the fast track to the big leagues if he keeps hitting. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about was Ford Proctor. 
he is one of the most interesting prospects in the Rays farm system or in possibly even in all of the minor leagues because of his unique versatility. Um, this is a guy who is able to handle uh, the catcher position and also the shortstop position. So those are the two hardest positions to play on the diamond and he can play both of them um, among other positions as well. He, he, he's spent time at second and third, I believe. And um, so he's kind of taken versatility to the next level really. Um, so they're, they're using him in, in all kinds of different spots so far to start the year in Durham. Um, but he, like Aranda is on the 40 man roster and he's got a, you know, he's got the ability to play catcher. So if you, you know, if you see some injuries on the, um, the big league side, catcher wise, or even infield wise, you know, maybe Proctor comes into that conversation as well. So, um, yeah, I like, I like the bats of both of those two young guys. If you had to predict, if one of the Rays catchers goes down, who would get the call? Would it be Proctor? And assuming it's not like a long-term thing, they need to go look elsewhere. Who would get that call up? Do you think it would be Proctor or Pinto at this point? I think as things stand today, it would probably be Renee Pinto. Um, I think that he may be a little bit further along on the defensive side of things. And if you're kind of looking for um, kind of a backup catcher to to share time with one of the main two, um, they might just opt for kind of like the steady defender in Pinto. Um but as far as like um, their bats, I would think Proctor is a little bit further along in his development with the bat at least. Um, but as far as like big league readiness, I could see them choosing Pinto. Both of them are on the 40 man roster. So um, that's definitely a valid uh, question to ask, but um, I don't, I don't think Pinto's bat should be taken lightly either. He had a very good hitting season last year and he hit at triple a too, which is something that Proctor has not, um, yeah. this is Proctor's first time at triple a. So yeah, I think Pinto's got the edge for now, but, uh, you know, we'll see how that progresses throughout the year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other guy, and I think we've got to mention him recently acquired Ralph Garza jr. Uh, Cole, this is a guy that you've been banging the drum for, uh, since before he was picked up by Boston. Uh, who are ahead of the Rays in the waiver order. The Rays, he, he ends up not making it with Boston. They send him back out on waivers, and the Rays scoop him up this time. First off, why were you so high on him in the first place? And yeah, just kind of talk about why you think he's such an exciting pitcher. Yeah, he he is just really interesting because of how unique he is. He, he does something that... Um, as far as I can tell, there really isn't any other pitcher in big in the big leagues who does this. And what he does is, so he's a right-handed reliever, um, mostly a one-inning guy, you know, maybe can get you a couple more outs if needed. Um, but he's been a reliever his whole career in the minors. And um, I think that's probably all the Rays see him as. But he's a really interesting reliever because all, when he's uh, facing right-handed hitters, he drops down from a submarine arm slot and throws exclusively sinkers and sliders to righties. Um, so it's like a really uh, east-west type of approach. You know, everything those righties are seeing is either barreling in on their hands or it's sliding away from them off the plate. But then when lefties get up there, he is a completely north-south pitcher, and he throws from an over-the-top slot, and he rides four scenes at the top of the zone, and he pairs those with change-ups and curveballs down underneath the zone. So he kind of has, like, the best of both worlds when he's attacking both righties and lefties. And we all know how important the Rays uh, treat platoon matchups and, and getting those advantages. And I think that Garza just does that in a, in a way that is – really unique and it's 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 kind of unheard of i mean it it almost reminds me of the old um the switch pitcher pat vendetti you know garza doesn't do it do it to that extent he's still only throwing yeah. one arm but he like as far as attacking the different sides of the plate um uh, different sides of the um 
hitters handedness, you know, he kind of does this like funky approach that, and, and, you know, the Rays are always looking for, for the quirky relievers. So I thought it was a fit and, um, and they went right out there and claimed him when he was available. For sure. And how quickly do you think we could see him in the big leagues? Um, you know, that may not even depend on how, how well he pitches. It might actually depend more on the big league needs um, and, you know, who's healthy, who's not. Um, the Rays love to do the, uh, the roster shuffling, you know, when, when one pitcher has thrown a lot lately or is burnt out, you know, they'll option that guy for a fresh arm, you know, things of this nature. So, you know, because of that, it's almost impossible to predict when we'll see some of the AAA guys. But, um, you know, he's on the 40-man roster, and I think he did appear in a game for Durham this weekend. So, you know, he's here and he's throwing. So um, if an opportunity arises, I think he'll be among the names that they decide decide upon. Yeah, it's tough because right now they're carrying 15 pitchers. That number in a month from now might be down to 13. They could still carry 14, um, but it could be down to 13. And you talk about guys like Colin Boucher and Ryan Thompson, who are his ter- teammates at Durham. Yeah, Ralph Garza, he's pretty good, but those guys are like proven big leaguers. Uh, like Colin Poche, like he was really hitting his stride right before he got hurt. Uh, Ryan Thompson's pitched in the World Series, like the Rays really like him, and they put him in high leverage situation before. So you think like those guys would be ahead of a Garza, but uh, it, he'll get a shot for sure. Like you'll see a number of different relievers get their shot, guys that we aren't even thinking of right now. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do in Durham. Let's kind of shift our focus around the league here. Uh, what else has gone on in opening day? First off, I've just got to say, I'm really excited to see Mike Trout back again. It really sucked. One, getting a short Mike Trout season in 2020, and then an injury-shortened season in 2021. For my money, he is still the best player on the planet. He might be playing alongside the second-best player on the planet in Shohei Otani. Uh, but for me, Trout still holds that crown. Uh, seeing him hit that home run off of Ryan Stanek was awesome. Uh, poor Ryan Stanek, though. I miss him. Still a very good pitcher. Wish we still had him. Um, what What have you noticed around the league this week? You know, one of the things that's that stood out to me is, um, you know, this AL East has some firepower. Uh, these lineups are ruthless uh, out in Boston, New York, and Toronto. Um you know, the Rays may not have the big name guys, the big stars in the lineup, but um, I think they'll, they'll do as good a job as any team could of hanging with the, those three beasts. And um, it's just going to be a really fun division. All those offenses have been off to good starts. Um, the Yankees Red Sox series has been great um, so far. And um, yeah, I just think that the AL East is the best division in baseball. And, you know, I kind of like that the Rays that are in there, you know, it's kind of annoying <laughs> year after year when the Rays are so good, but you've got all these other good teams too. But, um, you know, I, I love it. It presents a challenge. And, um, you know, at the end of the year, like last year, when they won 100 games in a division this good with four 90-win teams, uh, it really means something. And, um, you know, I, I think the Rays will be right there in the mix this year as well. I think it's going to be really tough for the Rays to lead the division in runs scored again this year. The Toronto lineup is electric, right? And they just added Matt Chapman to it. Um, However, there are some uh, problems, not problems, I think issues with with Toronto or some concerns that you should have with their bullpen. The starting rotation, even though you lose a Cy Young winner and Robbie Ray, you add guys like Kevin Gosman. You really solidify that rotation. I, I think I like their rotation as a whole more this year than I did last year, which is really hard to say when you lose a Cy Young Award winner. Um, but you go to their opening night victory, 10-8 to 8 over, over Texas. Uh, Texas jumped out to an early lead, 7 nothing. 
Toronto comes storming back. They almost blow it again. Uh, they gave up eight runs. Then you look today, Texas scores 12 on them. They went 12 to six. You had still some great hits like Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Hit one 467. That was an absolute laser of a home run. But I don't know. Like, I am a little skeptical about the Blue Jays, a team that, like, other than the Dodgers, who were already there and then added Freddie Freeman, this Blue Jays team is getting a lot of hype uh, around the national media, around baseball fans. And I think they're very good, right? Like, I think they might even still be, they might be the favorite to win the AL East just slightly. But do you think that this hype is truly deserved based on the roster they have right now? I think it's a little overblown. I mean, I might get I might get roasted for this take at the end of the season because they're they're an exciting bunch, no doubt about that. But yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the stuff that you have. Um, I see, you know, national reporters picking them to go to the World Series. I, I think they're on on most standing projections, betting sites, things like this. They are the team that looks like the AL least favorite. But I want to bring up a couple points here. So for one, last season, they won either 90 or 91 games. Um, I can't remember which one. But um, they did that while having... Robbie Ray and Marcus Semyon, both of them producing like career years, like seven war seasons. Um, They also got a lot of innings and high quality innings from Steven Matz, who is no longer there either. So when you kind of like um, tally up the war totals between those three guys who have all now left, um, you're looking at something like near like 16 and they, they only were able to win 90 games with that much more production on the team. Now, I know that they made all kinds of other good additions. Kevin Gosman, Yusei Kikuchi, Matt Chapman. Right. But do you really think that those guys are going to produce, um, you know, 16 wins between them? You know, that's very unlikely in my mind. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's definitely a good team. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it just it, it makes me think a little bit of if they were only able to win 90 or so games last year, you know, where are those steps forward, you know, going to happen if they are going to win a hundred games or something like that. Now I know a lot of people, you know, I think maybe one of the main reasons that um, they are ranked so highly in all of these kind of projections is that uh, many people are kind of thinking, Oh, they're so young, you know, they've got this dynamic young core of talent, but I would actually argue that, a lot of those guys are kind of at their ceilings. Um, you know, Bo Bichette is like a, just a solid, like five win player, like already, you know, I don't really know how, you know, where is like the ceiling beyond that? I mean, you know, maybe he's an eight win player. Like, I don't know, but um, you know, it seems likely, you know, him, Vladdy Jr. Just came in second in, in MVP voting. And there's like an MVP in every other year that it's not going up. Exactly. Right. So like, while he's going to be great, no doubt about that. Is he going to be better? Like, you know, I think that's so. what it, like, I think he, he could. He has he the could, potential absolutely. out of any guy on that lineup to put together like historically good all time single season numbers. Um, so that's the one guy, but yeah, around the diamond, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Right. Else it's gonna come yeah. From. And like some of these other guys, like Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel, and you know, they're, they're regulars. Um, 
I just don't know how much more ceiling left on these guys. I've seen, I think that a lot of them have had really good seasons already. And, you know, what if they suffer a big injury um, to, to some of their guys and, and whatnot? So I, I just think that looking at the Blue Jays roster right now, I see a little bit more downside than upside. Um, and, I, and I know maybe that's easier to say as a Rays fan, but, um, you know, I, I, that's kind of what I think right now. So uh, I don't know if I would pick them as the favorite in the AL East, and I'm kind of surprised that I'm seeing that being uh, the case so often. Yeah, I definitely think it's close. Like, I think it's, it was going in three teams that I saw had a viable path to winning it, uh, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees. Uh, and uh, the Red Sox in certain scenarios could be in there. If, you know, every team just kind of beats each other up, and we'll see how that plays out during the season. I like the Blue Jays a lot. Like, I think they – are making the right moves, right? Like getting Matt Chapman. That's a player I would have loved to have on the Rays. He would be the everyday third baseman alongside Wander Franco and Brandon Lau. That would be the best infield in baseball to have Matt Chapman, Wander Franco, Brandon Lau. And now Toronto may have one of the, they did lose Marcus Semien, uh, but they might have one of the better infields in baseball with Chapman, Bichette, and Guerrero uh, as part of that infield. So I like the moves they're making. Uh, I think we should praise them for me. Like I love seeing teams try to get better, making the necessary moves And the blue Jays. They, they, they've never been like a, a team like the, you know, the Orioles or the pirates or some of these other, or the A's and in certain years, the Rays, not in recent years, uh, but in, in years past the Rays, where it's just like, they're not making the effort to compete this year. We'll see how it, how it goes. Toronto's never been that uh, it's exciting though. And it's, it's going to be, the Rays, I don't think you're going to run away with the division like they had the last two seasons. Um, and again, injuries are going to play a role in that. Who's healthy? New York, despite all of their issues um, on the field and off, like you see Garrett Cole complaining about opening day. You know, he is del- it was delayed four minutes because of the ceremonies. Aaron Judge not uh, reaching a deal with the team for on a contract extension and the GM having to schedule a press conference like hours before first pitch on opening day to say that we didn't extend our star player. Like these are not good things for the Yankees right now. These are not good distractions. Um, If there are such, if there is such a thing as a good distraction, these are not them. So the Yankees, despite all that very talented roster, they've got Garrett Cole who might be the best pitcher in the American league. And I think they're going to be in there too, competing for a postseason spot, competing for an AL East title, it's going to be close. I think it's Rays, Blue Jays, Tier 1, Yankees right there, Tier 2, and then maybe uh, maybe the Red Sox. I don't know. Well, I, I'm kind of confused by them, and I want to th- see how things play out. Um, anything else nationally that, that you noticed, or, or in the American League even? Um, I, I guess one other point I'll make. I, I like how you brought up the Yankees there, um, You know, kind of tying this back to what I was just saying about the Blue Jays. You know, Again, agree with you there. They've made a, a ton of great moves, um, you know, a ton of great young talent with that group. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of what I mentioned is I kind of see a little bit more downside than upside with that group. The Yankees are kind of the exact opposite of that. In my mind, I see some upside with the Yankees. There was a lot of guys on that team who had a down year last year. They brought in some new faces. Um, I think their pitching development is quite good. You know, that's kind of the team that I'm almost looking at as a little bit more scary than the Blue Jays. As things stand today, um, you know, injuries and, and whatnot can change that. But um, but right now, I, I'm kind of like uh, like Rays, Yankees, and, and maybe the Blue Jays third. But it's all pretty close. But that's kind of how I'm feeling. Yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you there. Um, 
let's take one more quick break. And then uh, we've, we've talked about what's gone on this weekend, but now it's time for us to raise our voices and, and overreact to the opening weekend of Major League Baseball. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, our final segment this week. It's time for Cole and I to raise our voices. We've seen three race games, right? Some teams have got four games. Uh, but most of the teams are just three games into the season. And uh, we know there's a lot of baseball left, right? Over 150 games. But uh, it's never too early to uh, overreact to something. And I think it's time for us to overreact to what we saw this weekend. Cole, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get started. What, what have you just foreseen now at the end of the season, now that you've seen three games? <laughs> so my overreaction is going to be that Wander Franco is going to be in serious consideration for the MVP at the end of this season, you know, barring injury, of course, but um, everything that he has shown in, in his rookie year last year and just three games this year, it, it's just pretty remarkable that a player of his age is able to just control the strike zone and hit the ball with authority, um, you know, and, and not swing and miss and, lay off tough breaking balls in the dirt and like everything that he does as a hitter. And now he's starting to show us what he can do on the defensive side of things too. I mean, just a bunch of great plays, um, acrobatic plays, diving all over the place, strong throws, turning double plays. Um, I mean, I, I, I just don't even see a limit on this kid's potential. And um, I think that at, at, age of 21 years old that by the end of this year um he's he's going to be definitely getting mvp votes and uh and probably right at the top of that list i i just love everything about his game so can can you come on can you say on air that you predict he's going to win al mvp you're not that confident you know let's do it wander franco mvp 2022 american league mvp i mean the biggest thing that i've seen like we knew the the hitting skills right and we knew he was very good defensively but what we saw, and again, just three games, he looked incredible at shortstop. The diving stop in game two, the running off the, the pop-up here earlier this afternoon in game three, elite, elite stuff. And I like I was even, one of my bold predictions, I ended up never submitting it onto, our, onto D-Rays Bay, but one of my bold predictions going into the, the, the season was going to be that at the end of the year, Taylor Walls is at shortstop and Juan Franco is your third baseman. Um, just because I'm extremely high on what walls can do defensively, but with what we saw at a Franco, I, I, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. And walls is going to have a role to play. He looked good at third base this weekend. He'll get some time at second base as well, but Juan or Franco is not moving off shortstop. And if he puts up those offensive numbers with those good defensive numbers at shortstop, I mean, that's, that's how you win an MVP award. Like that's the recipe to winning an MVP. Absolutely. And like about his age, the fact that he's only 21 years old, it's, it's almost kind of hard to wrap your head around. I was looking at the Rays double-A roster um, that, that was just released, and by my count, I think there was only one player on the double-A team who was younger than Wander Franco. I believe that's um, Rays' um, top starting pitching prospect, Taj Bradley. 
but still like you know you when you have a player that young like they're still in the developmental phase like this is like his age is like that of a high a player so you know that's when players are learning to play like shortstop and and grow as defenders and things like that you know he is hit forever but um you know, as a defender, like it just makes a lot of sense for his first few years in the big leagues for him to just consistently grow. And we've seen how athletic he is. And I just think that, you know, there's really nothing stopping him from being a really, really good defensive shortstop. And I think he he may already be that. Yeah, it, he is such a, a gamer, man. Watching him run out those infield singles. We saw that from a lot of guys this week. Uh, Rondi Rosarena, Harold Ramirez. Like these guys are busting it to try to get that extra base. The base running looked really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I am, we shouldn't be surprised anymore. Like we saw it last season, he lived up to the hype then. And now I think we can see him even exceed the hype this season. Um, he has that, that potential for sure. Uh, so mine, I I really think the team can win a hundred games again this year. Uh, that, you know, it's, you can never really project a team to win a hundred games except for maybe the Dodgers. Right. Um, but this team banking these three wins. And like I always say, they count the same in April as they do in September, playing such clean baseball, bringing back this core of players again, uh, and then adding some more pieces that are going to be here for a full season. Like you bring in Harold Ramirez. I liked what I saw to him today at the plate. He struggled in in the opener, but uh, looked really good in game three, the series finale. Uh, You get a full season of Wander Franco. You get a fully developed Shane McClanahan, and he might not go more than 150 innings, but those 150 innings could all be elite. Um, you add Corey Kluber, I think that's better than like the Michael Walker and Chris Archer and Rich Hill signings, like maybe better than all three combined to have a guy like uh, Corey Kluber. And as he gets kind of built into the season, he was very good last year with New York. You don't have glass now, which is obviously a hit, but the recipe is there to win 100 games again. And you've got another rookie of the year candidate in Josh Lowe. He might not be the favorite, but he's going to be up there. And at some point, hey, Shane Boz is still here. We talk about the bullpen, how good they looked. You've got the best manager in the American League. And I know it's three wins over the Orioles, but they took care of business, right? You know, if they, if they had dropped one or dropped two, then you wouldn't be worried, but you'd say, oh, well, there's some things we got to work out here. Nope. Instead, they took care of business. Bullpen looked great. Defense looked great. And the bats really came out today. So I think, yeah, I think this is a 100-win team again. And it's going to be really fun to watch them play throughout the course of the season. Absolutely. Second in on, uh, for me. Let's do it. So Wander Franco is winning the MVP. Rays are winning 100 games. Uh, what Can we throw out some other ones? Rapid Fire, Shane McClanahan, AL Cy Young, Josh oh, Hill, Rookie of the Year. We need it all. Kevin Cash, Manager of the Year. What would, it take? what would it take for Kevin Cash to win Manager of the Year a third straight year? Because I, that's never happened. Because it's usually given to, like, the manager – that overachieves with what they have and who in their right minds could say that Kevin cash can overachieve with this level of talent. He's a big part of the race success, but I mean, it would, it would take like, like a 110 win season for them to be like, I guess we got to give it to Kevin cash again, because really, I mean, it's not one of those awards that's meant to be won that many times. Yeah. I, so, I mean, a lot of the projections, like, kind of have the raise around like the 90 win mark right now at least that's about 86 like down as as right right yeah total was set at 89 and a half Mm. yeah so i don't know maybe 100 is enough for him to get some serious consideration i mean that's significantly beating your projection um but you know 
and projections always kind of seem to underrate the race. So I don't know what it will take, but I, I bet, you know, given the talent on this team and, and just how good of a manager he is, he'll probably be right in the thick of it again. Yeah. I mean, if I had to guess the managers that are going to be like in heavy consideration, you're going to see like Charlie Montoya at the blue Jays mm-hmm. do go to the postseason. Uh, but yeah, we're getting a little off script here, uh, but we've gone over an hour. So let's wrap this one up. Cole, I'm glad we got to raise our voices. It was fun this weekend. Maybe the Rays will be swept by the White Sox next weekend. And the person we get to raise our voices, we can say this team isn't going anywhere. So uh, there will be, this will be a roller coaster baseball season, but right now we're feeling good. So I'm glad we get to do that. And uh, thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That's going to do it for this week's raise your voice. Thank you to Cole Mitchum for hopping on. And thank you to you guys, the listeners for tuning in today. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great race coverage. If you want each and every episode from the DRays Bay Podcast Network downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice. If you can rate and review us on that platform, best way to spread what we do to more and more Rays fans. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.